Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider Post Signing Day Podcast. We've got audio with sort of one-on-one or one-on-two uh, interviews with eight assistant coaches. I sat down with Tom Loy and the assistants come through, talk about the prospects, talk about the roster, just talk about being at Notre Dame and sort of what's coming for them. And it's pretty insightful stuff. I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, change of pace from our regular podcast. So we've got eight assistants. We're going to lead off with both coordinators, but first up was Clark Lee, Notre Dame's new defensive coordinator. Got a chance to talk to him about a lot of stuff, but what I wanted to highlight for you guys, our listeners, is one, Shane Simon, how he fits into the defense, what they want to get accomplished with him. Also, the three early enrollees at that, at that position and where they might develop in terms of position. And lastly, I thought that uh, Clark had some really interesting insights on Tavon Coney, his return, and sort of their relationship, which has a chance to be, um, I think, one of those that will go near the top of Clark Lee's bio once he's said and done coaching is sort of where Tavon Coney was, where he is, and where he's going now that he's back in Notre Dame for his senior year. So first up, defensive coordinator Clark Lee. Shane was like, um, I, on, on so many levels, like Shane is one of my favorites of all time. His family, his background, his demeanor, you know, his skill set, um, you know, we're thrilled to have him. And, and to answer your question, that rover is a big safety is what it is. And so to see him do what he's done, um, you know, and, and on offense too, I mean, catching the ball and running, catch and run, you know, um, making plays on offense, he's a talented athlete. And so... The, the thing that I love most about Shane, too, is that he came and camped with us, you know, through it all. Like, he wanted to know how I coached, and he wanted to show me how he competed. And that was that was the icing on the cake. The three linebackers that are already here um, with Obi, uh, Bauer, and then Lamb, have you got much of a sense of, like, how they've adapted so far? I mean, for some it's a state away. For some it's half a country away. Yeah. Um, the they've adapted really well. I, it, I've gotten positive reports from them and from Coach Bayless. They're um, they are going to work hard. They're handling their business in the classroom. I think with Ovi and, and Bo Bauer, the, the you know Coach Elston headed up the recruitment of those guys. They were committed when I got here, and I think he identified great Notre Dame fits. And so they're having no issues uh, thus far with that adjustment. With Jack, we. We uh, built a really, really close relationship with he and his family, and so we knew exactly what we were getting. Th- those guys are, are Notre Dame men, and um, you know they'll just like anyone that's young, they'll hit their walls at some point. But right now, uh, they're full steam ahead, working hard and, and, uh, and getting acclimated. Mike Buck figure it out later. Um, you know, with with those with those three. Um, I think what you do is you say, okay, who's most ready? And the beauty of having them in early is you're going to get a chance to get them ready. Whoever's most ready plays the position of most need. Um, And um, they have interchangeable skill sets, and and really learning this defense, it's it's a conceptually driven uh, package. So when you learn Mike, if I'm doing my job, you should learn Buck as well. And learning and doing are two different things, but, you know, um, we've had success in the past um, in this in this system of, of teaching a guy um, as a freshman Mike and then coming in the season and flipping him over to Buck. I mean, that, that happens too. So. And uh, also, when did you know Tavon was coming back? What were you doing? What was your reaction? <laughs> um, sort of behind the scenes on that one. You know, we... we 
had ongoing conversation. Um, and, and, and to be honest, I, I kind of sensed that he might be leaning towards leaving. Um, right before getting elevated, um, I, I knew me coming back um, was going to be important to him. And I get that, you know, I mean, he's got a year to, to go here, and, and he wanted to know the person that was going to be responsible for him. And I told him I understood that completely. But at that moment, I thought, okay, if I'm staying, he's staying. And then, you know, and then he really dug into the decision. And I don't know that it was that cut and dry. I mean, I think he was really weighing options, and there were things that he had to ask, ask of himself, ask of coach, ask of me, you know, and, and, and to determine how this – how this year returning really enhances his opportunities long term, and um, and so I found out right before the day that uh, he had to declare, you know, and um, I knew that he was um, really processing, and, and maybe there was one or two conversations there was late uh, where it seemed like um, his thought process was heading towards coming back, but you know the the. The day that he announced he was coming back, I had a text exchange with him, just telling him how proud I was of him and how excited I was to work with him. And, and he texted me back, Coach, I came back to win a national championship, and I came back to play the best defense in the country. And I'm so excited to get to work. And, you know, that 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 was pretty special. We yeah. kind of went back and forth from there. But, you know, to hear him say that, to know how committed he is to what we want to accomplish here, um, you know, those are all going to be things that, that – build him for another year into a better pro player too. And I imagine ultimately like you know, when you look back at your career he may be one of the more interesting or inspirational guys you will have coached because when you showed up I mean he wasn't close to where he was last year and to think where he if there's another step in him uh, I mean really the sky is the limit. I think that you're exactly right the um, the transformation he um, he triggered last year uh, from spring to fall was uh, unlike anything I've ever been a part of. I mean, I saw a different person when he came back for summer that poured into what he was doing. And in fall camp, despite his circumstances, just kept getting better every day. And I know it's it's um, cliche, but it's true. I mean, you know, he was the number two on the depth chart and just kept swinging and would, would say the things to me that that a guy that's driven towards something would say, like, Coach, I just want to get better. I'm not worried about where I'm sitting right now. Like, I know that I can do it, and I just got to keep getting better. And for him to kind of keep that mindset through the middle of the season to then take the job and run with it, um, and then really in the bowl game be a guy that, like, I had zero interest in taking off the field. I mean, like, you know, like, that's being a good coach, right? I'm sitting there like, crap, you were playing your way into the draft right now. Yeah. Well, that's one way to look at it. I was thinking about how are we going to tackle this guy? Like, all right, Coney's not coming off the field. I think I went to him in the in the third quarter. I'm like, hey, man, you good? Like, he's like, yeah, coach, I'm good. I mean, like, can you, like, physically, like, do you, like are you tired? Do you need a break? No. I'm like, all right, buddy, you're not coming off the field, so um, let's go get it. But no, he, he, he the, the other thing with him in this year is total investment. Like, what I'm watching him do now compared to where he was, and all these guys last year, I mean, they, they, this was so new to them. What Coach Bayless did, I mean, they, they were. They were struggling through this, and it was. They were probably having long internal conversations after workouts, being like, "Can am I up to the task?" What, what, and I think even even in anticipation of knowing another winner was coming, I think in some ways they were mentally fatigued ahead of it, you know. Yeah. But what they've realized is their effort and their work 
has prepared them for what now is easier, mm -hmm. um, that they are better conditioned, they are better mentally conditioned to attack the day-to-day -day work that Coach Bayless has them doing. And so, again, when I watch Tavon now and Jerry now, I see guys that are out in front of the pack. I can remember last year just trying to get Tavon to stay in the drills the entire time. Mm -hmm. um, and so you think about the total investment for a year, you know, the improvement he was able to make last year, you can only think that you can compound and build on that and it can be a really, really cool situation. Next up, offensive coordinator Chip Long spent a lot of time talking about tight ends, Tommy Tremble, when he felt confident the Irish were going to beat out Georgia. Also gave us a little bit of a player comparison for George Takis, which I think you'll find interesting, and an update on Cole Komet and Brock Wright as they get ready for their sophomore years. But first, started talking about that wide receiver hall, probably Notre Dame's best position group on National Signing Day. Here's what Chip Long had to say about the speed coming into the Irish roster. No, it was unbelievable. You know, Coach Alexander did a, a great job. It's probably one of the only places I've ever been where, you know, your top six, you get you got just about all of them. You know, with um, Braden Lindsay, who, you know, he committed to us around this time, or about a week or two after this time last year, to be able to get him to flip. Kevin Austin was one of our earliest offers. Um, Lawrence, obviously, was probably our first receiver we offered. And then Micah. We had um, committed when he was before we got here his sophomore yeah. year, but to to run the table like that to get the guys that fit us, um, we got long, but we got fast. Mm -hmm. and just as a whole offense, one thing I believe I want to be big and athletic. I don't want to sacrifice size and, and speed. We still want to be big, but we had to get explosive, mm -hmm. and I think we got that. You know, um, Braden is a young man, six foot about 180 pounds, was a great defensive player. You know, I think that really surprised me. So he has the toughness to come in and compete as a freshman. Kevin, the same way, he was a great safety when I went and saw him play. And you got to look at that. you got to look at guys who can put their face in there. Because that's usually the biggest transition. The game gets faster, guys are bigger. And the guys that have played them both ways usually transition a little bit better. Um, Mike is already here doing a great job. And, you know, Lawrence is, has great speed and was a great returner and um, knew his coach real well and have known him for a long time from recruiting New Orleans. But to get all those guys and them being the right fit and right kids, you know, that was a big, big emphasis from this year for me. As I want guys who you might have to sacrifice a little bit, but they're good. We'll develop them into a good player. I, I imagine that's something you learned over the course of the last year, like what the right fit actually is. Good question. That's what, I don't know who asked me, what, what was the biggest surprise? Yeah. You know, you have to have a certain type kid here to be able to handle um, the rigors that we ask them to do. And if you do, they're going to be awesome. They're going to be fun to coach. If you don't, you're Gonna hate coaching, yeah, and, um, and be held hostage. I know, and I feel that's what I'm excited. Is anything about this year? Is there's so much fun to coach? Being year two, and then just being to add those kids into this group, I think some be tremendous for us. You know, I always felt good. He came from a great family. Me and his um, parents had a great relationship, especially with him. Um, I knew what he wanted. Um, so I felt really good about it. You weren't uh, obviously, we're competing to the very end. Um, I think when he came from the SC game, he, he really saw it. Got mom up here. Dad already loved it. You know, we're still fighting Georgia and all, all those SEC schools. But, you know, he wanted to be different. You know, he... 
mid mid senior year, he leaves John Creek and goes to one of the most highly academic schools in the Atlanta area. You just don't do that midway through your senior year unless academics are important. And you know, when kids do that, that, that tells you something. Um, so, you know, I always felt really good about him, um, but. You know, I think the relationship we had, especially after his injury, how we weren't leaving him, really helped him trust us and, and really help seal, seal the deal. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. He said that as soon as uh, he kind of announced that he was, gonna, he was injured, he was going to miss the senior season, um, I think he said the first call he got was from you and kind of letting him know that he still had a full scholarship to Notre Dame and he was a priority, this and that. What, what went into that call and why was there zero hesitation on your end? That you well, still I mean, that's what I, that's, you know, I might, we might be a little slow with offers, but that's what I tell kids, you know, when I offer you, that is 100% commitment for me to you. And, and we're not going to use that scholarship to, to recruit anybody else, that's yours. And and, um, you know, because you're going to have some bad things happen. You know, with medicine these days, they can do anything. Um, now, if it's some legal issue, yeah, then we got to look at it. But, um, no, I mean, that's my commitment, and I'm going to stick by you 100%. I don't know if you touched on this at all. I was doing some Jarrett Patterson stuff, but is there a player comparison that when you saw these guys, both of them, Tommy and George, that that you kind of from your from your past that maybe you saw that guy kind of reminds me of somebody? Is there anybody you can kind of? No, I mean um, George reminds me of a of a Durham, you know, a guy with that size, the uh, skill trait, great hands, very consistent player. Uh, no, whether. I'm not putting expectations on him, but just prototype. We want that size that George has. Um, I like his physicality to be able to put his hand in the ground, but we want to be a big, strong um, tight end group that can run. And then, you know, you had Tommy, who's going to be a big kid, but very explosive, a defensive end. Um, and just have that variety where sure you can create Brian those mismatches. Fought, you know, I think you know, because really I don't want to have to sub in and out all the time. So Luke those guys Amber being able to be exchanged, exchangeable. And she'll have to be doing the same things, yeah, but then I can start moving the pieces around where I can create what they do well. That's good. About a couple guys who are already here that we were talking about signing a last year and Cole and Brock. What's the next step for them? I'd imagine you have to be really excited to get them in like year two and just see where it all can go. The best thing that happened to those two is they were with me all year. They didn't go to scout team or anything like that. So they got a good base of the offense. You know, Brock did a good job for me at fullback and Cole did a good job as that third tight end still. You know, I didn't want to throw them in there and risk when I'm being you know, hurt. We didn't right. have a year in the weight room and stuff like that, so we were able to get him a ton of practice reps, kind of like we did with Josh Lug. Um, but Cole was just too too athletic. He helped us on special teams, and you know, I expect them to, to elevate their game. Um, Brock, you know, just the point of contact needs to get better, being able to sustain blocks, stick and stay on them. Um, keep building his his um, tree in the in the route game, and then, and then Cole will just get out there and keep playing, keep keep building on what you're doing, what you're doing well. Next up, associate head coach Mike Elston. We spent some time talking about Jamie on Franklin, Jason Admalola, as you might imagine. He had some interesting player comparisons for both those guys. One I expected, the other one I really struggled with, but I, I like where his head was at with Franklin in particular. Uh, and then just spent some time about Justin Admalola as well. Where does he fit into the defense moving forward? Strong side, weak side? Sounds like it might be a little bit of both. So here's Mike Elston starting with the defensive tackle position, which was really a strength of this hall for Notre Dame. Well, I like that they have, uh, they have training from high school, which is great. You know, they, they know how to use their hands. They've got uh, um, some good 
fundamentals that their, their coaches from high school have taught them. So coming in, the transition should be relatively smooth. Um, they'll give us great depth right away with a position that's already pretty strong for us. Um, but as everybody knows, you're just an injury away from needing, you know, a young man to play. So I just like the fact that they've been trained at, at the level that they've been trained at and that they can come in and, and compete right away. We're sort of in the player comparison business. Mm -hmm. um, are, do they remind you of guys you've worked with in the past? Um, and I'm curious about Franklin in particular because I watch him on tape and I'm not sure I can yeah. point to a guy that was like, oh, he's, he's like him. Yeah, I would say, you know, Jason right away reminds me of Sheldon Day. Um, in terms of just the explosiveness, the athleticism, the ability to coordinate his hands with his hips and pass rush, and um, you know, and the way he plays, it, there's a relentlessness to him um, that, that Sheldon played with. And then Jamion would be more like an Ian Williams. Um, Ian from way back in the day when I coached him back in 2010, he was a senior, um, but just had great pad level, uh, you know, great with his hands, powerful, um, you know, a limited. Um, height and length. Um, not that Jamion's limited, but it's you know he's not the tall six three, six four guy. But um, same thing with Ian. Um, took his strengths and, and made him you know very productive. And, and I see Jamion being very similar. What about Justin, sort of on the edge? Um, seems like he you know if he grew into a, a three technique, I don't know if that would surprise you, but there's certainly a need at strong tight end as well. Yeah, I, I could see um, Justin coming in right away and, and helping us at both end positions, either the drop or the, the end. Um, we're going to have to double train somebody. Um, you know, we've got seven scholarship defensive ends, which is a good number to have. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so Justin's just going to have to come in. And, and, and Julian Acora has learned both of them. And, you know, we got some guys that can flip both, both sides. And, and I love, uh, again, Justin's training also, his ability to use his hands and, and all that fundamentally should be, should be good. So. Uh, and he's a smart kid, so he should be able to learn both of them. It just, you, know, you were recruiting coordinator for part of the cycle, mm -hmm. um, and you were able to, I think as a, as a staff recruit from a position of strength in a, in a way that you weren't last year. How much right. of a difference did that make out on the trail, having a little bit more confidence about being able to sell yeah. results uh, yeah. as opposed to where we might be going? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, you know, it, it, it helped immensely. You know, when you're, when you're winning and... And there's there's you know positive you know vibes around the program. It's a lot easier to point to how they're going to then help and, and take us to that next step, that next level, which is the national championship. And and it helps that they're being they're they're successful also because that that shows a correlation. And, and, and both those programs went to the you know had a great run in the in the state finals and between Jamion's team and, and the Twins' team. So mm -hmm. um, there's great correlation, and it helps a lot when you have positive. Lives. These guys spent a ton of time helping you recruit. Mm -hmm. yes. um, I know that they took a lot of pride in it. There was a there was a bond. I mean, like Braden Lindsay, for example, they pushed hard to get him back into class. Do you ask them to do that, or do they just genuinely take it upon themselves? Yeah, no, that's all self. That's all being just self aware and them wanting to grow their class and have a very strong, um, you know, class that they're coming in with. You know, obviously we talk about other guys, but. Um, and then they ask questions about who, who they should be talking to, and, and, and you know, um, we talk about certain guys, but at the end of the day, they, they take it upon themselves to initiate contact and, and build a relationship. Next up, Todd Light, and had a chance to talk to him about his class overall. A huge need. He knew it. We all knew it. And not only did they hit at the high level with Derek Allen, Houston Griffith, but got some nice depth squad players as well. So we spent some time talking about that. And then he opened up a little bit about what he took away from Mike Elko over the last year, which I thought was a really interesting conversation. 
because there's not a lot of times when a coach leaves that the coaches who are still here enjoy spending time talking about him. But you could see how much light gained from working with Elko. And then just sort of his developing relationship with Coach Joseph coming in here as a new safeties coach. Todd Light starting out with a class overall, obviously thrilled. And you know, just for the record, we recorded this before Noah Boykin signed, and he was already very happy about it. So here's Todd Light, cornerbacks coach. You know, I'm, I'm really, really happy. Obviously, you know, with Derek Allen and Houston Griffith coming in, those guys are two of the top players in the country in the secondary. And so we're really pleased about that. Tariq Bracey, outstanding talent. Brings a lot of speed to our group, a lot of playmaking ability. And, you know, the X factor for us is going to be Joe Wilkins. Obviously, heavy background and wide receiver, but he has extreme length and really good athleticism. So I think he can be an outstanding press corner. And so really, really excited about our group. And then I think that, you know, for us, Paul Mawala, he's a guy, due to his speed and strength and the way that he plays, he can come in and make immediate impact on special teams. He's also going to press a lot of the guys that are in the rotation for time playing, for sure. What the, I know you haven't been around the guys since you've been out on the road recruiting, but right. Houston's been here a little bit. What yes. sort of the feedback you're getting from Bayless, the weight room, just how he's adapting? Yeah, he's doing good. He's doing really, really well. I asked him the other day, I had a great conversation with him about what the difference was, and he just said the intensity of the workouts is a little bit tougher than it was at IMG. Obviously, when you bump up to the collegiate level, everything's going to be a little bit harder. But, you know, he comes from a great program in IMG where, you know, their work ethic is instilled in them, you know, to go hard for long periods of time. And so I think that for him, we're going to start him in the boundary corner and then move him around because he has such great position versatility. He can play in multiple, multiple spots, but I think that we're going to start him in the boundary, see how actually really how good his man-to-man skills are, and then find the best position from there. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about your, your position here. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like you got a lot out of working with Mike Elko last year, yes. probably in, from a recruiting and a coaching standpoint. Right. What were the biggest things you took away that you can help you moving forward now that he's gone and then also working with Coach Joseph coming in here? Right. I think, um, you know, defensively, um, I really liked his scheme and I liked the structures that we put together in order to give guys a um, chance to be successful. We really, I learned a lot about Mike as basically making the offense play left-handed, you know, taking away their strengths and making them play into their weakness and also spreading the hard down around throughout the different positions on the defense. So when you go into a game, there's not one position group that's stressed where they're going to have 60 to 70% of the hard downs, where it's the, the hard downs are going to be spread out throughout the defense, which makes everybody a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more easy. So there are times when you're not completely stressed, and then there are times that you are stressed, but you're not stressed the entire game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think just in terms of Coach Joseph, you, you've been on the trail a little bit with him. Yes, just, uh-huh. just so checking in with Derek Allen, checking in with guys. Right. But what, what do you think your working relationship is going to be? I think it's going to be really, really good. We, we, we were together on the last week on the road, um, obviously, when you know, he was vetted and, and then was official. And, um, you know, the synergy between us is great. Um, you know, we were already talking about how we're going to, you know, work our individual drills and how we're going to be able to, um, you know, really bounce off one another where we can take – let's say the boundary side where I can take the free safety and the boundary corner, or he can take the field, take the stud and the niggle and the field corner and, and flip. And so I think we're going to get a lot of work done together that way. Um, you know, he brings a lot of good ideas um, as far as some of the different techniques and tackling and press, which we're going to use. And so, yeah, it's going to be exciting to work with Coach Joseph. I think that we're going to be a good team. 
Next up, Terry Joseph, our first opportunity to talk to him after he moved from North Carolina to Notre Dame. So started there, getting settled in in South Bend, understanding his roster, how to coach it up, what he needed to add to it. That included Derek Allen, some commentary on him, as well as where the safety position needs to go next season and the improvements it needs to make. So Terry Joseph, pretty interesting guy. Here's your first listen from Notre Dame's new safeties coach. Well, you know, the last you know, week and a half, two weeks have been helter-skelter for me. Um, obviously, um, I've had a chance to look at our uh, season from last year and kind of evaluate some of those guys. I'm about halfway through. Um, but, you know, I just leaned on Clark and Todd a lot to kind of give me some information on the fly. And then, obviously, our goal was to close out on some guys. And um, luckily for us, we, re- we have a great product to sell, and we're able to do that. And I guess in terms of getting out and selling Notre Dame before you've really been at Notre Dame, how easy or difficult was that to do? Because I asked Brian Kelly about that. He said, you know, there's an authenticity about your approach that he felt like really resonated with guys and and Notre Dame saw the dividends of that today. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, um, first of all, when you walk into school with that ND on your chest, you know, obviously it's an attention getter. And then from there, it's about, you know, trying to let the kid know that you're here to help his dreams come through. And I think him getting to trust you as a coach and as a person, that's what's going to help him make that decision to spend the next four years with you to let you continue to develop him. And um, fortunately for us, um, the relationships that Todd and Clark had with those guys and me recruiting them before at the other school was able to help as a group us close those guys out. I did want to ask about Derek Allen specifically since he's sort of like the biggest name. Um, you spend a little bit of time with him, um, had a started developing upon there what do you will you make of his skill set and what's sort of um i guess the first step for him once he shows up here in the summer well you know um he's a guy first of all that his skill set jumps off the tape when you watch it. i mean here's a guy who's long who has range ball skills plays offense loves to catch the fade um but the, the best thing i liked about him sitting and talking to him is his competitive character he really wants to be the best he wants you to challenge him. His dad has a military background, so I think that's all going to play into our favor as far as getting him on campus in June and getting him ready to go. And um, seeing him uh, physically, there's going to be no reason why he can't come here and help us September 1. Um, for some of the coaches that were here before, especially in the back end of the defense, size was a huge deal um, for some of the prior staff. It wasn't a huge deal. They just really wanted good football players. But when you're really evaluating tape for safeties, is there is there an ideal, is there a perfect fit in your mind of, of who you think would, would thrive under you and your system? Well, you know, I think the way the game's changed as far as the spread offenses, um, you know, it's not necessarily that you need a big thumper in there because they'll get him out in space and now he has to cover. So I think the ideal guy and the number one thing is instincts. You know, does this guy, can he figure it out? Does he have, I call it football IQ. Is he a smart football player? Because more times than not, that guy can put himself in position to make plays a lot faster than a guy who might be more gifted athletically than he is so instincts is number one and then at the same time you know you want him to be you know right around six footish for me and then you know 195 to 205 and you can get the best of both worlds he can come up and support the run and you know and then he can also be able to cover the best two safeties you know that I've coached so far in my career you know Justin Evans and Armani Watts you know were two they were not the biggest guys in the world but, man, did they make plays. So I think, you, as a coach, you have to be a little open-minded.
Our first opportunity to talk to Tom Reese since August when Notre Dame's quarterback depth chart and outlook look a lot different than it does on National Signing Day. Started with sort of the season overall, where Phil Jerkovic fits into that moving forward and sort of the competition level in that room and also just sort of what Jerkovic's skill set offers to Notre Dame that the other quarterbacks don't, how he might be a little bit different. And then also sort of the pressures of being a recruiter uh, as Tom Reese took the job, Phil Jakovic was committed but not signed and sort of the process that he went through of convincing a four-star top 100 type prospect to stick in South Bend when his, head co- when his recruiter just left for the head coaching job at Western Kentucky. So here's Tom Reese talking about the quarterback room at Notre Dame. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's a pretty consistent message with all of them. I want everyone to compete, and that's a fair starter. I mean, we're in February right now, so we have some time to sort through everything. Um, you know, but the same message for Brandon, Ian, you know, Phil, Avery, all those guys is, hey, I want you to compete as if you're going to be the guy. Because you never know. You know, Ian didn't know, you know, your time's going to come in a game. Or, um, you know, a couple years ago for Brandon, he didn't know when you have to go in for a game. So I think you you push them to compete to start. And then when, when everything, you know, sorts itself out, then you take a look at everything. But if someone's preparing as a backup, they're going to take themselves out of a competition right away. And so with Phil, it's, hey, come in, compete, learn. You know, do everything the right way, listen to the older guys, follow their lead, and, and just compete. Be out there ready to go, and, and when your number's called, whenever that is, if it's this year, if it's two years from now, whenever it is, you'll be ready to go. But you need to have that same mentality throughout. And you've lived that yourself. I have lived that. So, yeah, I, uh, I can speak on it firsthand. And I probably didn't know that you know before I had to deal with it firsthand, and so... Uh, that's something that I always took pride in, and I think that's something that's important because the other thing is that group in the quarterback room needs to be extremely close. And that's something that it's just different than every other position because you really truly only have one guy that plays. Yeah, I mean, now I say that with yeah. multiple guys, but like, <laughs> ideally, ideally, you have one guy that plays. And so the relationships in that room make it go. And so when I was here as a player, I was fortunate to have great relationships with all the guys I played with, which made the changing at times, it makes it a smooth transition. It makes it easy because you care so much about the guy that's in that room that you want what's best for him, you want what's best for the team, and you're, and you're selfless in that manner. You were down there, you called Phil kind of a throwback. Uh, and in terms of build, he's kind of unlike anybody you have in the room right now. So how is what – what about the differences in his game – excite you see as a coach of like, ooh, this is maybe something different we could do because he's just a different kind of quarterback. Yeah, I think, you know, he has kind of that blend of athleticism that Brandon has where he's able to, you know, make plays outside the structure of the offense and that he also has, you know, the quick release and the ability to work the perimeter throws and to, and to, and to take advantage of matchups and, um, you know, I'm excited. You know, I won't be the tallest one in the room anymore. And so he's, you know, he's six five, and so he brings some length and some height and some ability to see over things. And you know, when he gets out and runs, he's got that stride to really break away. And uh, you know, the biggest thing about Phil is he's so dang competitive. I mean, you watch him do anything, and he is the most fiery, competitive guy on the field, on the court, whatever he's doing. He wants to win, and he wants to give it everything he has. Not that we don't have that, but I think he brings that energy. Energy, that fire to the room, he will it will raise the level, you know, of all the quarterbacks. Obviously, when when he committed, it was it was Sanford that got all the credit. He's obviously gone now. When you first 
met him what was that like just trying to go through the introductory process obviously you're, um, for some people not necessarily around the Notre Dame program you weren't the most well known but what was that moment like when just kind of say like you know I'm going to be your coach when you get here yeah I think we hit it off right away you know I met him and his dad and they came up you know pretty quickly after I was hired and you know he met coach Long and myself and just making those introductions and I think the biggest thing and I've said this a couple of times when it comes to recruiting is just to be yourself like a lot of guys you know, not a lot of guys but recruiting has kind of taken on a, a life of itself and my biggest thing is hey, I want to be the same guy I want to just you know, be myself and you know what we hit it off we hit it off and we hit it off right away he's got all the traits all the characteristics that he wanted a quarterback he's you know handles himself the right way he's humble he works hard he's respectful he you know competes he has a fire to him and that's what you want in that room like i just alluded to but he uh no things went smoothly right away uh, obviously you know i was you know nervous hey we have this huge quarterback committed you know he's being committed he's coming up here I don't want to mess this thing up, right? And so, you know, we came here. I spent a lot of time with him that weekend. I went to mass with him and his dad that Sunday. Um, just little things like that to build that relationship, to build, you know, so, hey, you can trust me. We can, you know, work together. And, you know, I don't. I think it was a very seamless transition. You know, I don't know, you know Mike all that well, but I think, you know, the transition went well. Next up, Autry Jensen, Notre Dame running backs coach. Irish signed two running backs, Jameer Smith, Sebo Flemister. Had some player comparisons for those guys. Also sort of the running back room now with Josh Adams gone. So Autry Denson, he's got four guys. He likes what he's got, even if it's not a lot of material. But starting off, talking about the new blood, Jameer Smith and Sebo Flemister. Uh, they're different backs. Uh, Jameer is a bigger guy, more like Tony Jones, you know, a little thicker. Uh probably look at him and doing a lot of the same jobs as Tony does, doing it the way that Tony does it. Sebo being more of a, you know, just throwback, refreshing, kind of do anything on any run as necessary to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Tough kid, you know, and uh, exciting, both of them, mm-hmm. very exciting. Does Sebo remind you of anybody you've worked with here? He's kind of, I mean... Your throwback is probably a good way to put it. I mean, you could see where he would fit into an option offense in some ways, you right? You know what's funny, man? I'm watching him, and if you watch him, he's on there galloping like O.J. Simpson yes. and Marcus <laughs> Allen. Like, I mean, he is old school. I'm watching a film, and I'm like, man, it. because it, first you have to, like, kind of brace yourself because it's different. Yeah. You know, and then you look, and, man, you see some of the stuff he's doing, the way he's playing, and you just see, man, he's a really good, tough football player. Okay, so we got a Tony Jones comparison, but then also O.J. Simpson and Marcus Allen. <laughs> <laughs> O.J. Marcus, man, he is. Yeah, I'm in a high school. Jameer Smith kind of came, I guess, out of nowhere, really. I mean, it was kind of a perceived secret visit. He came up here. Um, how did everything kind of play out when you knew he was interested, when you knew he was coming up here, and how quickly he'd commit? I did not know it was a secret visit. Uh, yeah, it was pretty so quiet behind the scenes. Yeah, it was one of those rare... <laughs> Rare quiet visits. So. You know what? That is news to me. So I, uh, okay. So, I mean, like, how did that all out play out? And did you know? Did you? Did he come up with the expectation that he's probably going to leave here committed? No. You know what? And what it was with him was the timing of the visit was he actually came up when I actually wasn't physically on campus. So it was actually really good that he got to see other things outside of me. Because you want guys to see and try to get a feel for Notre Dame. That's always the goal. But he wasn't out. He was not a surprise. I had had Jameer on my list from day one uh, for the different reasons I said. Man, he's a 4.0 student. I mean, he was a really good football player. What I wanted to see was I didn't know if he was that big on film because he was doing some stuff. So when I saw him physically, it was really refreshing. And then we knew he checked the other boxes. So it was a matter of seeing how he, how we stacked up to what he was looking for.
And I know you guys, you said that you had Sebo on your radar for a while. Um, were there any other backs, or was he the guy from the jump that this is the guy we want, this guy we're going to push for, and that's it? <laughs> now, now, let me be totally transparent. When I say for a while, now, yeah. that is a while as of late. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, no, so, I know it wasn't months yeah, ago. So, yeah, January right. 3rd. Yeah, right. So, uh, you know, I won't be transparent. Like a month so, before signing. Yeah, yeah, so as a while, he was actually the guy. Uh, we went back, and you look at a lot of different guys, man, and one thing about our place, and I always said it, I'm blessed to work with people that understand Notre Dame, and I also understand it from going through here is that there were still a lot of good players out there, but for different reasons, academics, this and that, why we had kind of passed them the first time, we didn't want to get lulled into doing something or taking somebody because we felt we needed to. So because we had a good feel, that's how we were able to scrub through that list and say, this is the guy. And then we went, made sure he checked the boxes and, you know, it worked out. So he was. He When we went through the process, he was the only one. It was, it was all or nothing. It was either going to be Sebo or no one. So it was <laughs> – we went all in. Four running backs enough for your room with Sebo, Jameer, and then Dexter and Tony? It's going to have to be, right? Yeah. That's what we got. You only yeah. can coach what you have. So uh, we have four. Now, the beauty of our system, man, is that it's a spread offense, and that's where uh, it'll be on myself and on, the, you know, Chip and the rest of the coaching mm-hmm. offensive staff. So really in a spread offense, you're just trying to put your playmakers in position to make plays. I mean, so at that point – you can personnel and, you know, do a good job of getting playmakers on the mm-hmm. field all at the same time, whether it be a running back, whether it be a slot, acting as a running back, a running back acting as a slot. Well, you know, I'm I'm actually excited for the opportunity to, mm-hmm. you know, make sure from a game plan standpoint, we'll have to dig yeah. more into true personneling of guys as opposed to just saying, hey, here's Josh and let's just go. Right. You know, so I'm excited for the opportunity. Last up, Notre Dame's new offensive line coach, Jeff Quinn. Very passionate guy that comes through in about one minute of conversation with him. We got we're able to sit down with him for about 15. We've condensed that down to his takes on Jared Patterson, who Notre Dame lands on National Signing Day, taking him away from UCLA, where he was sort of going back and forth. And also Luke Jones, who he absolutely loves. Tough guy. Uh, he talked about his recruiting style with Luke Jones. And then I think you can extrapolate that out for offensive linemen at large. So Jeff Quinn, very passionate, fiery guy, loves football, loves coaching offensive linemen. So here's your first introduction to Jeff Quinn, Notre Dame's new offensive line coach. That was last night at midnight, and I got the phone call (laughs) because, you know, let's face it. I mean, he had some nice options. Yeah. And all these kids that we signed all have nice options. I mean, they're really good schools and there's good coaches and you know but I think we were able to separate ourselves because of coach Kelly because of Chip Long because of Brian Pullian because of myself and certainly the University of Notre Dame and his older brother plays at Fresno State and he's preparing and training for the NFL and he played O-line at Fresno and they went through a tough year as junior this is David his older brother they were like one in eleven so in their family, they saw how difficult it was for them to see their son go through that challenge. But then they won 10 games this year as they hired a new coach and so on and so forth. And I think that was very comforting to, to them to know that our sons, they've built those traits inside them, that they could pursue persevere through all difficult situations adversity and then here we were coming in and they're thinking boy our son had a chance to go to Fresno our youngest son got a chance to go to Notre Dame I mean 
that's impactful for a family to know that that uh, that opportunity is real and that we wanted them. Was there? I mean, I know he basically indicated to you 48 hours ago that it was pretty much you guys. And then there was a slight, there was some question mark, there was some, some uh, hesitation. Was there a point that you genuinely thought maybe, I wouldn't say you lost them because you can't really lose what you didn't have, but mm-hmm. was there a point where you thought that maybe this one's just not going to work out, maybe distance was a factor? Was there ever a point for that for you? I, I, I relate that back to a football mindset okay. where if we're in a game and things we don't know how the outcome's going to yeah. be, but we still got time yeah. right, to right. make a difference in the outcome of the game. That's how I approached it. I I was just being like you know Pete said very authentic, very genuine, very specific. I communicated the key points that I wanted him to consider. I didn't want him to think about the next 48 hours, but think about the next four years. And four years is going to go by like this, and then know that this is going to impact the next 40, 50, 60, 70 years of your life. And then as we're talking to mom and dad, that's what you want for your son. The best and most awesome opportunity that you can have for your son, both as a young man, as a student, and as an athlete, you can't get any better than what we're offering you at this point. So you could certainly look somewhere else, but I think deep down in his heart, and I could see it in his eyes, that I felt strong that this was going to go down to the wire, but I had some time, and that's what we were going to do, just fill it with good, solid information and being truthful and forthright in our effort. When Luke Jones committed, obviously you weren't you weren't the offensive line coach. What was that? I mean, because he he really, when I spoke to him candidly, he raved about you. I mean, he spoke very highly. What was that impression that you got of him um, during your first conversations, both on the phone and then that that um, in home visit? Right. Well, the in home visit was our really our first time face to face to be able to sit down and and answer the questions that they had because they had a great relationship with Harry. That was the whole thing because he was committed to Arkansas and then um, made it clear that he wanted maybe another opportunity to look at some other schools and then turn around and he does that, you know, he makes the verbal commitment on around Christmas, Christmas Day, Christmas Eve. And, and so now we're in solid position. Well, as soon as the news hit that he was like, okay, now – who are they going to bring in? And when you're two weeks without a position coach and the most critical time in recruiting, you know, to be able to close it out in, in a very short period of time, it was 11 days that I had to close these two out. And I walked in there and I was like, this is, I mean, an incredible family. Yeah. I mean, you, mom and dad, I mean, I mean, these are high achieving people. I mean, you know, they're goal oriented. And they wanted what was best for their son. So as they've learned more about me and Coach Kelly again, um, I felt comfortable. And then when I went back in there the second time, that's when I heard the, I don't know if you heard the snake story. He got bit when he was a kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my snake, a poisonous snake. I mean, this thing is, I mean, I'm like, you're a one tough something coming down here, you know. But uh, you could just tell that he wants to be around um, high-achieving people that, you know, when you're around high-achieving people, you have a chance of making great decisions, Mm -hmm. and that's what he wants. He doesn't want to be surrounded by guys that are questionable in terms of their, you know, character and behavior and decision-making. And then when you are able to show them, hey, we have proof that this is the best offensive line unit in the country and we have a chance to do it again and again and again you know once you break the ice when it turns into Joe Moore award and who Joe Moore is and what he represents and to be able to see that you as an old lineman that you want the very best and be challenged with competitive greatness Notre Dame is the place to go
That's a wrap for our National Signing Day Coaches Podcast. Irish Illustrated Insider will be back Monday, February 12th. Tim O'Malley, Tim Priester, sort of looking back at the class, where it's going to go forward, and talking a lot about where the roster is developing for Brian Kelly entering year nine. So until then, I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for listening to our latest Irish Illustrated Insider.